0: In the Bible, God's precious holy word That all things work together For good to them that love the Lord And today I claim that promise Trusting Him for peace of mind He's the God that through the ages Has stood the test of time What a
1: blessing!
0: This world's fierce raging battle, I will trust him more and more. I dare not take one step without him till this fleeting life is o'er. For the hand that holds tomorrow, that same hand is placed in mine. Praise his name throughout the ages, God stood the test of time.
1: What a blessed
2: What I've been given My family and friends All the blessings from heaven The Father above Has lovingly showered on me I feel overwhelmed And so undeserving To think of His goodness And wonderful mercy My heart fills with praise And I can't help but joyfully sing I have
1: got
2: It's not that this road has always been easy, but He's been faithful, and He'll never leave me. I find sweet peace and assurance within His Word. Our cup's overflowing, I'm feeling abundant provision. From the hand of the Savior I lift my voice and forever I'll praise His
1: name.
2: at the heavens and all your handiwork I say how excellent is your name in all the earth I see what you created way back there at the first and say how excellent is your name in all the earth I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I wonder what would cause you to put us in your plan. I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. When I survey my blessings, the strength of all my days, I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth, I give you all my worship, I give you all my praise, I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth.
3: chapter 1. It's page number 993 if you have an old Scofield Bible or the very first book in the New Testament. And I want to read uh, what would amount to be a very unusual verse to start a revival meeting off with. But I want to go back and break the verse apart tonight, and hopefully the Lord will have something for us in this text tonight. By the way, He always has something for us. I'm not sure I'm going to communicate it good, but He'll always have something for us. If nothing but just the reading of God's Word, it'll be a blessing tonight. Thank you so much. Boy, I enjoyed the singing by the choir. What about these preachers singing, man? I was sitting down there, I was wanting to sing myself. Now the only problem with that is, I really think I was cut out to be a singer. I just got sewed up wrong somewhere along the way. (laughs) I tell everybody I'm a prison singer. I'm always behind a few bars looking for the right key. But I enjoy folks who can sing and y'all can sing. And that was a blessing. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the singing tonight. Brother Jay was sitting over. By the way, we got several people from Woodland. And I don't know how they found out about this. But I appreciate them coming. And we need to take up an offering, you know, get some money from this crowd or whatever. But anyway, and I'm kidding about that. But I love our folks. Thank you for coming tonight. And then, of course, the people from here and wherever you're from... uh, Thank you for coming and being a part of Revival. I know these are busy days. The preacher's already said that. And for you to take time out of your life, my daddy always told me, when somebody's giving you their time, they're giving you their life. Because life is time. And thank you for coming tonight and sharing your time and your life with us in this service tonight. I told you last year when I was here that if the preacher was right with God, I'd show back up sometime in this year. And so I guess Brother Brian's right with God. (laughs) And if he's right with God, sometime along the way next year, I'll show back up over here again. And I love y'all, love coming here. And um, man, I'm just—I feel like one of you. I've been over here for, uh, for so many years, and and uh, just appreciate your preacher and his family. Brother Brian has a great spirit about him, and I love him dearly. I heard about this man. I don't know why we always say it like this, but I heard about this man who uh, who died, and he got to heaven, and he was met by. Of all people, St. Peter at the gate. And St. Peter looked at him when he arrived there and he said, uh, You want to go in? And the guy said, Yes, sir, more than anything. And St. Peter said, Well, why should I let you in? He said, Well, he said, I've tried to be the best person that I could be back on earth, tried to do the, the best I could. St. Peter said, uh, Give me a for instance. He said, Well, he said, uh, uh, There was this time, he said, I walked into this restaurant, said, When I pulled in the parking lot, there's 25. uh, Harley Davidson motorcycle sitting out there and he said I walked in. He said I didn't know it but when I walked in the hell's angels were there. And he said when I walked in the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. And he said I just got to looking around and people were sitting there but they were scared to death. And he said I noticed that there was one of these hell's angels at the register giving this little elderly lady a hard time at the register. And he said I just watched him and watched him and she was to the point she was crying. He said, I took all I could take. I walked up there, spun the guy around and punched him in the face and said, You and your rest of your crowd, get out of here. St. Peter said, That is an amazing story. When that happened, he said about two minutes ago. <laughs> now that's funny. You know that's funny. <laughs> yes, sir. I got, I got, you know the thing I struggle with the most when I come to places to preach is what jokes I'm gonna tell. And so uh, I got a whole I got a whole index of cards here, so y'all are in for a real treat. New material uh, from a uh, brand new year, and so uh, y'all are in for a treat this year with my three by five cards with jokes on them. Thank you for being here. I want to read tonight the Gospel of Matthew chapter one. Brother Brian, thank you for the invite again. I hope I can be a blessing. Let's read Matthew chapter one, an unusual verse. In fact, this would be an unusual chapter to start a revival meeting with because if you're familiar with the Bible, what we have before us is, uh, is the lineage that leads from, uh, from uh, uh, David all the way up, or Abraham all the way up to the Lord Jesus, the birth of Christ. We normally deal with Matthew chapter 1 during the Christmas season. You know, we preach about the Christmas tree found here, the lineage of the Lord Jesus. And over toward the end of this chapter, uh, we talk a little bit about the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Three great statements made in our New Testament about God and us. Uh, there is a verse in our Bible that said in Romans 8, 32, that God be for us. Aren't you glad for that? Jesus, God's Son, died on Calvary for us. Amen. And then over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, we read this, that God dwelleth in us in us. Aren't you glad when you got saved by the grace of God the holy God of heaven moved into your soul and took up his abode. God for us, God with us or God in us but then in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 we find out that God is with us. There'll never be a time in your life, watch this now, whether you're standing in a cemetery, sitting in a clinic, struggling in a conflict, there'll never be a time, if you're saved, that God won't be with you. Can I have an amen? No matter how black the night, no matter how terrible the storm, I'm telling you, God will always be with us. Is that good? Is that good? All right, y'all go home? No, sir, not yet. Let's read now the text, Matthew chapter 1. I want to read verse 6. I'm preaching tonight about the past of David's life. The past of David's life. Look at verse number 6, and here's what we read. And Jesse uh, begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Now believe it or not, in the space of those few words... We have the whole past life of David summed up for us. The past of David's life. You know the one thing that everybody in this room has is a past. I didn't get saved until I was 16 years old. Our church, my church has only known me as a preacher. But there was a time in my life that I wasn't a preacher. I'm not here to brag upon those years that I spent out in sin. Uh, I've done things that certainly I wouldn't want you to know about. Old Jay Vernon McGee said that if you knew me like I knew me, uh, you wouldn't want to come hear me preach. And if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't want you to come and hear me preach. You know why? We all got a past. And I want to preach tonight a little bit about David's past and what all that has to do with us. Let's pray. Father, bless your Word now. Thank you for good singing, good music. Lord, my soul has been blessed by the the singing tonight, the good atmosphere, the sweet Holy Spirit. But God, I realize tonight that I stand in a place, Lord, that uh, the arm of the flesh will surely fail me. God, I need your help tonight. I really do, and I pray you'd help me. If you don't help me, I'm in a mess. We're in a mess. So God, I would ask you tonight just to help us, give us clarity of thought, of mind, of speech, and just help somebody in here tonight that may be struggling a little bit with some things in their past. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Without doubt, David is one of the greatest personalities in all of the Word of God. David's life, or the name of David, is mentioned second only to the Lord Jesus uh, the most numerous times in the whole Word of God. David has to be without doubt one of the more prominent Bible characters. And yet, as we read about David in the Old Testament, and the books of Samuel, and those opening chapters of 1 Kings, and then when David's life is kind of reviewed again in 1 Chronicles, we come to understand that David wore a lot of hats in his life. David was a man of great responsibility. David had many different uh, Many different areas, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things going on in his life. If you've ever thought about this, we we know that David was a son. The Bible said he was the son of Jesse. David was a shepherd. We all know David and what a shepherd he was. Wrote Psalms 23. We know that David was a singer because the Bible referred to him as the great and the sweet psalmist of Israel. We know that David was a servant because David obeyed uh, the orders of his father. We know that David was a soldier because he fought with Goliath and he killed the bear and the lion. We know that David was a seer because he prophesied over and over throughout the book of Psalms. We know that David was a sovereign because he's the greatest earthly king that ever uh, Israel ever had. We know that David was a sire because he fathered many children. We know that David was a spouse because he had at least eight different wives. Can I just stop and say, that's seven too many. Somebody asked me the other day, said, Preacher, where does it say in the Bible that a man can only have one wife? And I said, that's easy. No man can serve two masters. <laughs> David was a spouse. And then how many of you will agree with me when I say that David was a sinner? Yeah. David was a saint. Yeah, David, David was a man after God's own heart. But what I'm interested in tonight is his past. I'm just talking about the past life of David. I said a moment ago, the one thing that we all have in common in this building tonight is the fact that we all have a past. You know, I guess that's one of the most exciting things about the birth of a little baby. I've never been to Forsyth Hospital. We just had a little baby born in our church last week, and and we've had a bunch of people to get married in in the church this year. I'm on my 10th wedding this weekend. I think it'll be wedding number 10 this year. And so I'm looking. Bless God, if we can't get them from without, we'll birth them from within. Can I have an amen. And anyway, I've been to the hospital several times and watched you. The one thing I've never saw, I've never saw a sheriff for South Carolina. County Sheriff or Winston Salem Police Officer standing there with a set of handcuffs and say something like this as quick as they let that little boy out of the nursery or that little girl, I'm going to arrest them and carry them to jail. You know why? Every baby is born without a past and only with a future. By the way that's what makes being born again so good because when you get born again our past is gone and all we've got as far as God is concerned is the future in front of us but we all got a past. And you know, we do and don't like to talk about our past. You know, we do like to talk about some things in our past. If you were an athlete in high school, maybe played football or basketball or baseball or ran trial, whatever you did in high school, there are certain games that probably you still like to talk about. You know, the one thing that I find, the older that I get, the better that I was. Oh, yeah, I tell some great stories. I ain't sure how much I'm embellishing those stories. Uh, but uh, if you're here, you like to talk about that game where you scored 45 touchdowns and, and uh, ran for 500 yards and kicked seven field goals and lost by two points. I mean, you like to, we do like to talk about those things in our past. Maybe you're here and you hit the winning three as the buzzer sounded and the uh, runner-up of the state championship guy, or whatever. I mean, we like, there's some things about the past we do like to talk about. I think about if you were in the military, uh, maybe, you know, you like to talk about some of those days you spent at uh, at uh, at Fort Bragg or Fort Eustace or Fort Benning or wherever it was you were at down at Camp Lejeune or wherever you were. You like to talk about some of those days that when you were in the military. There are some things about the past. Maybe some lady in our church like to talk about when being the homecoming queen and every boy uh, desired to date you and you married that crazy man that you married when you could have married 45 others. And boy, we do like To talk about the past. There's some things we like to talk about in our past, but then there are other things that we don't like to talk about in our past. Our past failures, our past sins. We don't like to revisit those places in our memories that bring pain to our heart. But again, the thing is just like David, we all have a past. And what I want to do tonight, if you'll bear with me for just a moment, I want to sum up the, David's past in those three statements found in verse number 6. The three statements are this, David the king. The second statement is this, David the king begat Solomon. And the third statement is this, David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias or Uriah. Now the one thing we know about all of that is simply this. David had a past. There are three things that we find in verse number 6 about David's past. Let me see if I can lay all this out before us tonight and I pray the Lord will use it to speak to our heart. Let me say first of all, look at verse number 6. Number 1, David had some disappointment in his past. He had some disappointment. And I find it in verse number 6 where the Bible simply says, David the king. Now, understanding the Old Testament like we do, having read our Bible, we understand that David was not the first king of the nation of Israel, but David was the second king of the nation of Israel. Saul was the first king. I I find I find it a little bit unique that the first three kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon all reigned for a period of 40 years. And we all understand, if you've read the Old Testament, we all are a little bit familiar with the topsy-turvy relationship that Saul and David had. I mean, you talk about an up and down, on and off, hot and cold kind of relationship. I'm telling you, Saul and David's relationship was up one day and it was down the next day. It was up one minute and it was down the next minute. When they first meet in Scripture, it seems a little bit obvious to me that Saul loved David. I mean, it seems like they kind of hit it off. David is summoned from a, uh, from a Jesse's house and he's playing on the harp. And uh, when an evil spirit would come on King Saul, David would play his harp. And the Bible said that, that King Saul's heart was soothed by the playing of the harp. It kind of seemed like they had a love relationship there at the start. But things changed that day when David went to the Valley of Eli. when his daddy told him to take the cheese and the Doritos and the Vianney sausages and go down to the Valley of Elah and check on his brother's and see how the battle was going and David took the supplies down there and while he's there on the other side of the valley come out this big old giant of a man and he's cussing God and throwing rocks and kicking dirt. Man, he's having a fit over there and David looks at him and says, who's this guy? And all of Israel's hid in caves and deads and behind trees and rocks because they're scared to death and David says, hey, somebody needs to go over there and shut that big mouth up and his own brother turned against him and, and we know the story how that David was the only man in Israel who was willing to go down and fight with Goliath. And God gave a great victory to David that day in the Valley of Elah as he took the sling and the stones and stopped by the brook Bezor and got five stones and went running down through there like a Comanche Indian probably saying something like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And slung that stone. And the first thing you know, that giant hit the ground. And David took his sword and cut his head off and held up the dripping head of Goliath and said hey y'all this is in the Hebrew hey y'all look at this and God gave a great victory to the nation of Israel what a great story and David became an instant overnight hero in the land of Israel every little boy was wanting to grow up and be like David every Walmart in Judah was selling G.I. David dolls Uh, the number one song playing on the radio of every chariot being drawn by two camel powered engines was David has slain it. Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands and when Saul began to hear about all of that Saul immediately turned against David and as much as he loved him to begin with he was jealous and he hated David and wanted David dead now hold on just a minute you can just imagine what a disappointment that had to be to David David was never Never disloyal to Saul. David done nothing to merit the animosity and the hatred of Saul. David had just simply loved Saul and was loyal to Saul. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, what a disappointment it must have been when the man that he loved and gave his heart to and served and followed and tried to do his best to be loyal to. That man turned against him. What disappointment that had to be. You can just imagine what a blessing Saul could have been to David. I mean, Saul had reigned and it could have been one of those good kind of relationships when a Moses dies, God's got a Joshua. It could have been one of those good kind of relationships when Saul, Paul dies, there's a Timothy. But it seemed to be that this uh, this changing from Saul to David was not going to be without its trouble. And the problem was not David's fault. The problem was with Saul. How disappointing it must have been to David. To have a leader like Saul in his life Look at me. One day serve God and the next day rebel and turn against God and eventually resemble somebody that don't even look nothing like God. What a disappointment that had to be to David. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you everybody in this room has been disappointed at one time or another in your life. There's been somebody you had your eyes on. Somebody you thought was going to be a leader. Somebody you tried to follow their example. Somebody you maybe gave your heart to in loyalty and you begin to follow them and that person turn. Maybe they turned against you or they turned away from God and they went back out in the world. Ain't a person in this room that hasn't been disappointed by somebody. Can I have an amen? Amen. If I were to stop the sermon right here and just say you think about somebody's disappointed. Let me just stop before I go any further and say this. I know I don't want to place myself on a pedestal because I've got to tell you I've done my share of disappointing in my life. I mean (laughs) We'd be running 5,000 right now if I hadn't have been such a disappointment. Can I have an amen? I mean, there were times when I should have showed up that I didn't show up. There were other times when I showed up when I shouldn't have shown up. There were times when I said something when I shouldn't have said something. There were other times when I shouldn't have said something and I did say something. There's been a lot, I've done my share of disappointing in this walk of life. But I want to tell you, uh, to hasten the message tonight, i tell you this. Boy, I've had my share of disappointments in life as well. I think about people that I have given my heart to. People that I have invested in people that I have poured my life into their life and tried to encourage them and help them along the way only to see those people turn against me and become some of the fiercest enemies that I've got in this walk of life. What happened? I'll tell you, I have been disappointed. Can I just stop and say, I've never been disappointed in him. Hey, look at him. He never walked off when he should have walked in. Hey, he's never not said something when he should have said something. He's never been unfaithful. He's never made a promise to me that he didn't keep. I've had a lot of people in life say, preacher, we're behind you. Hey, slap me on the back, man. Preacher, I'm your friend. I'm with you, preacher. I'm praying for you. Only to see those people turn and walk away and go somewhere else or get out of church altogether. I've been hurt a lot. There's been a lot of disappointment. But I've never been disappointed in him. Amen. I just want to tell you tonight, maybe you're here, you're a young person, and you've been disappointed by some youth leader in the church. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been disappointed in some preacher that's in your life. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been let down by somebody who promised you their faithfulness and their loyalty and and they promised you their love and their prayers and they've hurt you and they've turned aside and and they've left you and and they've forsaken you now when you see them, they won't even speak to you. Hey, can I say this? Put her there, buddy. Welcome to life. But let's just face it. That's a part of it, ain't it? We've all had our share of disappointments. Man, I could take time tonight. I'm not going to do this, but man, I could probably have everybody in here crying. In fact, I could just join right in with you and just tell you about some of the hurts that I've had along the journey of life. People that I've put confidence in. people, as I said a moment ago, that I've nurtured and pushed along and tried to help them, only for those people to turn. And as I said a moment ago, now and become my enemies. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say, we got to get our minds off of that stuff. Hey, you can't let your past determine your future. There may have been a lot of disappointment. There may be a lot of hurt in your life. There may be a lot of letdowns. There may be a lot of problems. But I'm here to tell you, you got to pick up the pieces, friend. Pull your big boy pants up and go on and don't let that keep you from serving God tonight. Amen. Amen. I don't know who I may be speaking here in this place tonight, but I'm sure... I'm sure there's been some disappointment. I I, I don't know what it is. But it seems like to me, you know, people get disappointed on the job. They show back up the next day. They get disappointed. They get disappointed at the beauty shop. She don't tease the hair just the right way. Maybe she didn't cut it just right. They get disappointed at the beauty shop. But they'll go back next week. They get disappointed at Walmart. But they'll show back up but they get disappointed in somebody at church and they quit serving God. David had every right to throw in the towel. David had every right to say, if this is the way it's going to be, I quit, I'm out of here. But David showed us proof positive, friend, that in spite of the disappointments in life, you and I can still go on and serve God. We don't have to develop a bad spirit. Hey, we don't have to get bitter toward God or bitter toward men. Hey, we can go on and serve God in spite of the disappointments of life. We live up now. I used to live in Surrey County, but now I live in Carroll County, Virginia. I'm a cabbage head. I live in Virginia. When I was growing up, we always lived right at the state line, and anybody from Virginia was a cabbage head because they didn't know how to drive. I said, Daddy, pass that cabbage head. Now I am a cabbage head. I live in Virginia. I live on top of the mountain. And and, uh, we don't have any street lights. I live on top of the mountain. Fancy Gap, Virginia. On top of the mountain. I live right just, I mean, I'm Thor rock and hit the parkway. I mean, that's how close. And, and I don't know why we moved up there. I've lost my mind. Y'all pray for me. Uh, it's the ministry. I keep telling everybody, it. ain't affect, 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 affected me, but it has <laughs> affected me. And we moved up there and there's no street lights anywhere. It's dark as a thousand midnights. And I'll go home tonight and man, those stars are so close, it looks like you can just reach up and grab them. I remember stepping out on the back deck the other night, and I don't know what it was, whether it was a meteor shower, or I don't know what was going on, but man, there was just seemed like just there'd be a star that would shoot. And then you'd wait another minute or two, and there'd go another across the sky. then there'd be another, and there'd go another. And I went there and told my wife, said, you've got to come out here and look at this. Man, these heavens are going crazy tonight. These stars are flying like crazy. And then the thought hit me. You know something? We get all excited about them stars that shoot across the sky and fly off and burn up. We get all excited. Hey, you've got to see this. I saw a star. I made a wish. Man, I can't. It's unbelievable what's going on out here tonight. But I'll tell you what we ought to be more excited about. Hey, what about those billions and billions of stars that are still right in the place where God put them at on creation morning and they haven't left their design and desired place. They're still right there. They're still reflecting the light of the sun by night. They're still brightening the sky. Hey, instead of getting all bit out of shape about them shooting stars and go flying across the atmosphere of our church, we ought to be more excited about that crowd that's come in and hunkered down, had been faithful, had served God. Get your eyes on that crowd tonight. Amen. David's life his past was full of disappointment. David the king, not the first king, but the second king. Not only did David have disappointment in his past, look again at verse 6. David had bereavement in his past. Notice the Bible said in Je- David the king and David the king begat Solomon now wait a minute. Solomon was not the first son of David. Solomon was the second son of David and Bathsheba. The first son died. I mean, y'all are with me? We know what happened. Here's David. Seven days that little baby's dead. By the way, Hebrews didn't name their newborn babies until they were at least eight days old. That little baby died didn't even have a name. David went in the house of God and laid on his face, and begged God to spare that boy's life. Even the servants went in and said, "Hey, David, hey, y'all, to get up, go get some bread, go get some water." And David said, "Who can tell? Who can tell what God might do? I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep beseeching God. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep begging God. Hey, can I stop and say we still don't know what God might do about it? Amen." That's why we ought to just keep praying and begging God. You say, preacher, it's late. It's the bottom of the night. There's two outs, prophetically speaking. I get all that. But who can tell what God might do? Hey, I'll tell you, as long as God's on the throne... I'm telling you, there's still a possibility we might have revival as long as God's on the throne. Yeah. Hey, I read over in Revelation chapter 7, and there's such a multitude that's going to get saved right in the middle of the tribulation period that the Word of God said it's like the grains of sand by the seashore. And I get all excited and say, God, if you can do it in the tribulation period, I think you can still do it in the closing days of the grace of God. Who can tell what God might do? Yeah, we don't know. That's why I preach a plan revival. We don't know. What God might do this week. Can I have an amen? David's on his face. Finally they come to him, David. The baby's dead. David gets up off the ground, goes to the house, bathes himself. I like this. Changes his apparel. Washes himself. He's going to worship. And when you go to worship, you don't go to worship just dressed any old way. You're meeting with the high God of heaven, friend. You're meeting with the holy God of heaven. It ain't like we just walked in off the beach. Hey, we just didn't come from a bull roping roping event. Hey, we just didn't walk in here out of the barn. Hey, we come to the house of God to worship the holy God of heaven. We ought to change our apparel. We ought to cleanse ourselves up. Hey, brother, it's time for worship in the house of God. I'll tell you what we're doing in these days. I know y'all didn't ask for this. I love you. It's not Brother Brian's fault. It's my fault. I heard about this one man, he was up preaching, got the preaching kind of hard. Some guy started walking back and forth in the back of the church. I mean, he was, he was just stopping. he was stomping back there. All of a sudden, preacher kept preaching, he pulled out a gun, he was walking back there with that gun. And the preacher got nervous and said, hold, it. he said, what are you doing? He said, preacher, don't worry about me, I'm just looking for the guy that invited you. <laughs> hey, can I tell you this? I tell you, in our day, what we're doing in our churches, we're trying to pull God down to our standard instead of raising our standard up and trying to meet a holy God I know we can never be sinless and and as sinless as God and perfect as God and as holy as God hey but when we come to the house of God we ought to put the best on we God and walk into the house, I get it, floss people come kids on the bus, I get all that I'm not against that, let them come but I'm here to tell you, if we're saved we're not coming, bless your heart to meet, with. hey when I get my ball scores on TV, that guy on ESPN is dressed in a suit, hey when I get my news at night off WXII or where I live off Oak Channel, those guys are dressed in a suit. Hey, when I get my weather from wherever it's, I get it from, that person's standing there telling me the high tomorrow's going to be 72. The night's going to be 52. This weekend's going to be in the 50s. And they're standing there with a suit on. And you mean to tell me you want to come to church, hear a man of God stand up and break open the precious word of God, dressed like he just walked in off the beach. It's time we get back to treating that place like the holy place right. that it is. Amen. That's a holy place. This is a holy place. But as God's people, we ought to do our best when we come to the house of God. Amen. That didn't cost you a dime. Now back to the message. <laughs> David had bereavement in his life. David had to bury that little. Boy, had to go down to the Hayworth Miller down on uh, down on Jerusalem Street pick out a little coffin about this big and bury that little baby. By the way, it was David's fault the little baby died. Can you imagine the guilt that David had? Can you just imagine the thoughts that he must have had as he laid that little baby in that coffin, viewed that baby, stood there in the receiving line and people began to come by and say, David, you're such a good man. David, you're a man after God's own heart. David, we don't understand why God's treating you like his. Looks like God's done you wrong. Wait a minute. David knew that's, that's right, what was going on. Amen. Somebody asked me other day, Preacher, how do I know if I'm being chastened of the Lord? Look at me. You'll know. Nobody's going to have to tell you. You'll know. And David, with tears coursing down his cheeks, had to lay that little baby to re- head bereavement had disappointment, had bereavement in his past. I don't know, maybe I'm speaking to somebody here tonight and you've recently buried a loved one. God forbid, I hope nobody, I've had the opportunity, I say opportunity, I've had the experience to preach little children's funeral in our church. Boy, that's tough. Little old coffin, maybe no longer than that communion table. Seven-year-old boy laying there. Five-year-old little girl laying there, and you got to, there's a mom and daddy with a broken heart. Their world will never be the same, and you got to stand up there and take the word of God and say, "Look, this is not the end. Hey, there's going to come a day, we'll be. and you try to comfort them, and it seems like there is no. Com- I'm telling you, maybe there's somebody in this room tonight, and you've got bereavement, bereavement, in your past. David had watch this. I'm going somewhere. David had disappointment. He was not the first king. He was the second king. David had bereavement. It was not the first son. It was not the second son that died. It was the first son that died. And then, last of all, look at verse number six. David had defilement in his past. The Bible said, David the king, he wasn't the first, he was the second. David the king begat Solomon. Solomon was not the first son, he was the second. And he begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. So look at me. David was not her first husband. He was her second husband. But we all know the story, the sinful, sordid story of how David not only took another man's wife, but he took another man's life. Well, we're familiar with that. There she is, David Caesar. And by the way, God, you know there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that says, God is faithful, who will with the temptation always make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You've read that verse before. You know something? God gave David an out. Because when David looked across that valley and saw Bathsheba standing over there taking a bath, bathing herself in the backyard, one of his servants said, David, uh, that is the wife of Urias." Stab, David, she's another man's wife. That's Uriah. One of your faithful soldiers, one of your most loyal men, one of David's mighty men. David, that's one of your best men. That's his wife. Stab, David, this is your way out. This is not supposed to happen. You've already got Abigail. You've already got a Michael. You've already got... He had had several wives already. Uh, That's another man's wife. Don't touch her. David proceeds. We know the story. Word gets back to the palace. She runs to CVS, buys a test. She's not feeling well. Gets one of those EPT tests. Comes back with a positive sign on it. Word gets back to the palace. David finds out, oh, my soul, I I, I messed up. I messed up. And before there was a water gate, there was a Bathsheba gate. David's trying to cover all that up. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. I'm telling you, what you and I cover, God will uncover. And thank God what we cover. Thank God. Hey, look at me. What we uncover to God, God will cover. Can I have an amen? When you and I cover sin, God's going to uncover it. But when we come to God and we uncover it, God said, I got a covering for that. I got a divine detergent called the blood of Jesus. it will lift out the scarlet-colored co- stains of your sin. it will get you right with God. it will wash you white. it will make you back just with God. Thank God what we uncover, God said, I'll cover. And David messed up. David put a covering on his sin. Didn't say anything to God about it for a whole year. And then, of course, we know the story and all that happened, how David's life. One moment... One lapse of judgment, one wrong decision, and his life would never be the same. But well, can I stop and tell you this? Listen to this. David might have been a great sinner, but he is a great confessor. And God told Nathan, Go tell David, the Lord hath also put away your sin. Well, aren't you glad God can put it away? But we know the story. Watch this now. David was not her first husband. He was her, help me, second husband. David was not the first king. David was the, David, uh, Solomon was not the first son. He was the, David was not her first husband. He was her. Now, I'll preach the whole message. You get to this point. When I was growing up, school started every year. My mom and daddy were not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but they did good. We were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. I mean, everybody around us was poor, but I mean, we didn't know it. Mom and daddy never let on like it. We, we just, every year when school started, I don't think I ever owned a pair of Nike tennis shoes that I got to be an adult and somebody gave me some. We didn't wear Nikes. Mama took us down to pick and pay every year and we bought a pair of Cougars. How I many of y'all remember Cougars? We uh, wore Cougars. That's what we wore to school. Uh, I was the only boy in the family. My sisters passed clothes down to each other. But I was the only boy, so every year Mama would take me to a place in Mount Airy called Ashley's Outlet. And what they did, they were new clothes, but they were seconds. They were, uh, they were, they were new but they were, they were messed up. I remember vividly, Mama, buy me a pair of blue jeans. You know that thing that runs down. You know, I, we never did. We never did wear a Wrangler. Was it Wranglers or whatever it was It had the patch that everybody wore? It was so cool. I never had a pair of Wranglers. My clothes come from Ashley's Outlet. They were new, but they were second's. I remember mama taking me there and she bought me a pair of blue jeans. I was proud of them to start with. You know, they was pretty and blue. And it's before the day where people got crazy and think, man, that clothes are better if they got holes in them. <laughs> I think, honestly, some kids buy clothes, hang them up on the clothesline, shoot them with a shotgun, put them on so they'll look cool. What is it? Mama bought me a pair of blue jeans, Brother Brian, and this seam this, uh, that run down the side, somebody was snorting, was cooking meth when they showed them, and the thing that's supposed to run, it turned, and it come down the front of my leg. <laughs> I didn't notice it for a while. I was prar- proud of them pants. One of my buddies pointed out, what's wrong with your pants? The thing is, y- y- your thing is running down the front of your leg. It was seconds. It was seconds. They were good. They were clean. They were new. But something was wrong with them. They were abnormal. I I wrote down some synonyms of the word second. Listen, they were abnormal, damaged, faulty, flawed, blemished, or imperfect. Now, don't you look at me. I just described everybody in this room tonight, and we're flawed. Hey, hear me, we're damaged, we're faulty, we're blemished, we're imperfect, we're, we're abnormal. But aren't you glad tonight we serve a God? I bless His good name that He loves and delights in seconds. Amen. I tell you what, I, by the way, you go through the Bible and you'll find out some of God's best were second best. Can I prove it to you? Hey, the hey, is not the second birth better than the first birth? can I have an amen yeah. hey hear me Is not the second Adam better than the first Adam yeah. Is not the second body going to be better than the first yeah. body Is not the second coming thank God going to be better than the first coming yeah. I said all oh, I'd say this sometimes God's seconds are better than his first yeah. and I sure am glad flawed hey hear me damaged as I am blemished and imperfect abnormal. Hey, whatever they're saying about me, it's true. Listen, they're not lying. It's true. But I'm glad today I, I get on my knees and in the name of Jesus, I can go to a God who sees my blemishes, who sees my flaws, who sees my failures, who sees me being damaged, who sees me being blemished, who sees my imperfection. But thank God, He loves me even though I'm a second tonight. And every last one of us in this room are seconds tonight. Every one of us. But I'm glad. I'm glad there's room at the altar. I'm glad there's power in the blood of Jesus. I'm glad there's love in the heart of God for seconds. Because that's what I am. I'm a second. David was not the first king He was the second. Solomon was not the first son. He was the second. And David was not the first husband. He was the second. But God loved him anyway. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the the failures in your past. You might be tonight living in a failure. You may have just messed up and blown it big time. You may have just hurt God, let God down. You may have just hurt your family. You may have done something stupid, something out of the will of God for your life. But I just want to tell you, there's a God in heaven who says, look, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad about you. Come on. I love seconds. Amen. Ernest Hemingway, I, when I was growing up, he, he wrote at that time, One of my favorite books, it's called The Old Man and the Sea. I don't know if you've ever read that book or heard that, watched that movie. There's a movie out maybe made back in the 1980s. It's called The Old Man and the Sea. I'm not going to go into details of all that, but I I told you that I'd tell you this. Ernest Hemingway was a great writer. He committed suicide on top of the world, took a shotgun, blew his head. It's awful. But he wrote a book right before he died, and the name of that book was this. It was called The Capital of the World. And in that book, he tells the story of a father who had a son over in Spain. He treated, his boy, he treated his daddy awful. He treated his mama awful. The mom died. She had a disease. She passed away. And he brought great shame and blight on the name of his daddy. And then he blew up at his dad and left home, and his daddy didn't see him for years. And the daddy got sick and was about to die, but he decided he was going to try to reach out one more time find his boy. His name was Paco so he 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 sent he he hired people detectives or whatever to look for Paco nobody could find him nobody knew where he's at and the dad's days of getting shorter and shorter till finally he just decided in just one last ditch effort to do one final thing he would he was going to put an ad in the madrid newspaper and the ad said this in the newspaper it said this Paco Meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. And then he included these words, All is forgiven. That was a last-ditch effort to find his boy. Well, the dad, as weak as he was, left home on that Tuesday. Went early because he wanted to get downtown just in case. It It was a needle in a haystack. Just in case that boy read that. Hey, meet me at the Hotel Montana on Tuesday. All is forgiven. When he got there, he was surprised. The story said the police were there directing traffic because there were 800 Pacos that showed up to meet their dad. Can I tell you tonight, there's a God in heaven who's saying to you and me, you may have blown it. You may have messed up. Man, you may have have just... You may have just turned your back on God and walked away. But because of Calvary, God says to me and you, meet me at Calvary. Yep. Meet me at the cross because all is forgiven. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a God yes, sir. who loves seconds? Because that's what I am.
1: Amen.
3: Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father I want to pray tonight I don't, know, I don't know anybody's life here these are good folks I love them and uh, thank you for them but I don't know anybody's life here what they're going through tonight I don't know the struggles man they may have left home in a struggle and just a few minutes they're going to go back home to that same struggle I don't know any of that but I do know this that when we fail and we do and when we sin and we do and when we and when we rebel, and we do. And when we grieve and disappoint you, and we do, I'm glad that you're a God that loves seconds. Flawed, blemished, disqualified, damaged, imperfect, abnormal. I sure am glad you got a place in your family for the seconds and we can meet you at Calvary because all is forgiven Lord would you speak to hearts maybe somebody in this room hadn't been in church in a while but walked in tonight was invited walked in tonight maybe their life has become a wreck or a mess I don't know but I do know this you got a place in your family for seconds
2: Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus of Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages. And our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, We meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything. But sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6 All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind. Have taken us away Ephesians chapter 2 the Bible said therefore by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God you must understand that you're loved I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life Romans 5 and verse 8 declares but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, neither is there salvation in any other... Well, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house.